Match Nonstop Politics. I'm your host, DK Leslie, and after almost two years of campaigning, fundraising, and debating, America has spoken and chosen who it wants to be as its next president, and it's Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. He won after a five-day marathon of suspense and drama as election night turned into election week. There is so much analysis to be done about the election as a whole regarding the campaign, the candidates, and why it is that President-elect Biden came out on top in the end. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss new episodes when they are released. A bit later, I'll give you an update on the Biden-Harris transition and the moves that they're making. But first, I want to concentrate on the event that became known as Election Week and the results that are in so far. As of the day that I'm recording this, Tuesday the 10th of November, three battleground states are still yet to be called by most news organisations, Arizona, Georgia and Florida. Arizona I'll talk a bit more about in a second because a couple of organisations have called Arizona but most of them haven't. More on that in a little bit. First things first though, I really want to reflect on just how extraordinary the last week has been. This is the second presidential election that I followed intensely. It was my second election night and I have to say that I enjoyed every single minute of watching the returns come in. A quick shout out to CNN and their incredible coverage. I swear, being rude to CNN for 14 to 15 hours a day really did some serious, serious damage to my productivity. But how could I or anyone not be gripped by what was unfolding? They carried on right throughout until a result was announced. You had Wolf Blitzer, as always, the legend that he is, the king of breaking news, John King at his magic wall. Can I just say, that was something else. I mean, I feel like I know every single county in Pennsylvania and Florida now, which way they went, why they went that way. And it's very important, actually. The beauty of having a network like CNN broadcast all around the world. It is so important for international viewers like myself, who are just total, complete nerds and absolute obsessives about American politics to have the detailed analysis like CNN had and so we can fully understand why the race went in that direction and so props to CNN for your amazing captivating coverage and I tell you that this coverage really did come in handy because the way that the night and the rest of the week unfolded was unlike anything we've ever seen before. So election night itself was for me the main roller coaster of the week. Lots of drama unfolded in the days ahead once it became clear that Biden was on course for victory, but until around 7am UK time, 2am on the US East Coast, the results certainly were quite the mixed bag. You know, Biden had underperformed with Cuban American voters in Florida, in the south of Florida specifically, most notably in Miami-Dade County. That was very concerning early on in the night, something that I'd noted in the last episode of the podcast, talking about how 60% of Cuban-Americans, I think it was, that were going to back President Trump. So that certainly came true. North Carolina was looking good for Biden, but that was a distorted picture from the mail-in ballots that had already been counted prior to Election Day. So once we had the Election Day vote come in, that blue mirage kicked in, whereby Trump was then able to begin to eat into Biden's lead and eventually take the lead in that state. Same thing in Ohio, where early on it actually looked like Biden was going to carry the state, but as I predicted in the last episode, Trump ended up catching up and won the state by exactly the same margin, eight points, that he, as he did in 2016. All of these things happening early in the night really freak out a lot of folks on the Democratic side. I remember even texting a couple of friends saying, oh my God, the polls are wrong yet again. It's 2016, repeated. And I went to bed around 7 a.m. thinking that this was quite a mixed bag of results, not really sure which way this was going. 
But by the time I woke up three hours later and checked Twitter, Biden had a complete turnaround. And this is all to do with how the mail-in ballots were counted. So uh, you may have heard about the red mirage and the blue mirage. This is a really, really interesting uh, scenario that took place. It's been predicted for weeks now, months in fact. Bloomberg had a story about the red mirage and blue mirage for months. But essentially, in certain states like Florida, like um, North Carolina and Ohio, they have been allowed to count their mail-in ballots for weeks prior to election day, November the 3rd. Which meant that on election night, they were able very early on to just give the networks a massive dump of mail-in ballots very early on. And then as the night went on, they would be counting their in-person election day vote. So we get that all on one night, nice and straightforward. However, in other states and in crucial battleground states such as Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, the Republican state legislatures in those states did not allow procedures to be changed, which would mean that mail-in ballots could be counted prior to election day. In all those states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, mail-in ballots could not be counted until on or after election day, which meant that you were going to have a lot of delays in the reporting of the results. And this is where the blue mirage and red mirage comes in. So I just explained that in North Carolina and Ohio, you had the blue mirage, whereby early on in the night, it looked like that Joe Biden was ahead because all the mail-in ballots had been processed and they were just being able to be counted as the night was going on. But then as the night went on, Donald Trump cut into Biden's lead and eventually overtook. The opposite was happening in Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, whereby the in-person election day vote was being counted first. And in polling done prior to the election, it became very apparent that Democrats were going to be voting by mail in far bigger numbers than Republicans. Republicans would be much more likely to be voting on election day in person. So all of the news organizations and networks were warning people, you were gonna have a situation where President Trump on election night would be leading by big margins in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, which is exactly what happened. But then as the night went on and the next day came in, and as the mail-in ballots were being counted, that lead was being eaten into. And so by the time you get to Wednesday morning, as a result of what had happened with the red mirage, Biden had now pulled ahead in Wisconsin. It was an absolute miracle because we had to wait for all those mail-in ballots, which lean Democrat to be counted. Similar thing happened in Michigan. And before you know it on Wednesday, Biden had gone from Florida flop to Rust Belt resurgence. Absolutely remarkable. And much of the nervousness that was in the Biden campaign from Tuesday night had pretty much dwindled, while at the same time, the Trump campaign were beginning to ramp up their attacks on the election, claims of voter fraud, magical ballots that appeared out of nowhere. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous, all, all this nonsense, which, by the way, you have to understand that this whole thing about mail-in ballots is a complete setup by Trump to undermine the legitimacy of the election. That's what it is. Remember, Trump has been going after mail-in ballots for months months and months and months saying that there'll be fraud they'll be rigged you'll have ballot harvesting and all this nonsense it's just ignore it all it's noise it's rubbish democrats voted disproportionately by mail because of the pandemic in certain states the republican legislatures republican legislatures remember did not allow those votes to be counted prior to election day therefore the delays happened election day voters tended to be republican 
gives Trump a big lead, then the mail-in ballots get counted, and eventually Biden catches up. That is what happened in that situation, and so the Trump campaign is going absolutely bananas about it, but you don't have to worry about that because the election is free and fair. So anything Rudy Giuliani says, ignore. It's absolute BS. It would be another three days before the race was called by Pennsylvania flipping to Joe Biden. Trump is, as of now, yet to concede. He insists that the election was still stolen from him. He came out and gave a briefing to reporters from the press briefing room in the White House. He said that if you count the legal votes, I win. But if you count the illegal votes, it was stolen, which is obviously not true. The most important thing that you need to know is that at 4.24 p.m., Saturday the 7th of November, Joe Biden was declared the winner of the US presidential race in 2020. And it was an absolutely wild ride of a week for sure. So let's take another closer look at the electoral map. This is where it was in 2016, Rust Belt, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Trump managed to flip. We have North Carolina, Florida went red, Arizona was red, Ohio red, Iowa red. The easiest path to 270 for Joe Biden was to win. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. That puts him over the top. That was the job that Joe Biden had to do in this election. That's why he was chosen by the Democratic Party to be the nominee, to flip Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. And that is exactly what he did. He picked up Michigan by the biggest margin, 51% to 48% when rounded up. 150,000 vote difference in that state. Wisconsin, Biden won 50 to 49. It was very, very tight in Wisconsin, actually. 20,000 vote difference. Pennsylvania, 50 to 49, also very tight. 45,000 votes separating the two. I also mentioned in the last video the importance of the Sun Belt. Arizona looks like it's going to flip. Now, the Associated Press and Fox News have projected that Joe Biden will win the state of Arizona. They predicted it very, very early in the night, actually. They predicted it at around 5 a.m., UK time and the Trump campaign were absolutely livid that they did so but it does look like Joe Biden will actually carry the state of Arizona his lead is now down to just under 15,000 votes um, but Trump is not winning enough votes to be able to secure that the Democrats also picked up a Senate seat in Arizona Mark Kelly the astronaut he won beating the incumbent Martha McSally who has now lost two Senate elections in a row in the state of Arizona, which is not good at all. North Carolina, we also spoke about in the last episode, much, much, much tighter than the polls have showed. Trump is probably going to win North Carolina. Tom Tillis may also cling on to his Senate seat, which is quite disappointing for Democrats and is actually symbolic of the overall performance of the two parties on election night. The Democrats did well at the top of the ticket, but actually down the ballot, Republicans have done quite well. It looks like they might cling on to the Senate, and they've also gained seats in the House of Representatives as well. The one that I didn't expect to flip, but may have done so, is Georgia. There will be a recount that takes place in Georgia, but those Atlanta suburbs, combined with a strong African-American turnout, really has produced a true upset here. And Stacey Abrams is a big part of this victory with her work in the organization Fair Fight. She lost the governor's race in 2018. Lots of voter suppression caused by the governor of uh, Georgia, who was the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brian Kemp, throwing off lots and lots of African-Americans off the voter rolls. So um, Stacey Abrams doing a lot of work in that state to get voter registration up. 
and it looks like her work has been rewarded with a victory in Georgia. There will be a recount, but Biden's lead is now 11,413, so that is more than enough to pad him for a recount. He will carry the state of Georgia, and two Senate races will also decide control of the U.S. Senate, so all eyes are going to be on the state of Georgia for those two runoffs on January the 5th next year. But when it's all said and done, though, the fact of the matter is that Biden's raison d'etre for getting into the race was that he was the guy that could beat Donald Trump. His one and only job was to rebuild this blue wall here in the Rust Belt, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And guess what? He did it, and he did it with flying colors. That's all he had to do, really, but he did go further. He was able to expand the map into the Sun Belt, Arizona, and Georgia. So important for the Democrats to do so, because moving forward, the traditional bellwethers like Ohio and Florida are now solidly red. They are solidly Republican. Florida is the first time that they have not voted for the winner of the presidential elections in 1992. Trump won it handily, by the way. Think about that. He won it absolutely convincingly, largely down to Cuban-American support in southern Florida, Miami-Dade County. Trump was able to bring the margins down in Miami-Dade County quite... Ex it, was, it, it, was, it was something else. Um, Hillary Clinton won Miami-Dade County, I think, two to one in 2016. The Cuban-American vote was very strong. This time around, Donald Trump narrowing those margins, making it very, very hard for Joe Biden to compete. So Trump wins it 51 to 48. Ohio, the first time that Ohio has not voted for the winner since 1960. And Trump won the state again by eight points. So Ohio and Florida can no longer be relied upon for the Democrats as swing states. They are now solidly Republican. The other important thing to mention is that in the last episode of the podcast, I mentioned that Joe Biden had to win Pennsylvania if the Arizona strategy was to work. The Arizona strategy was if Joe Biden carries Wisconsin, Michigan, and Arizona, he would need to win Pennsylvania in order to get to 270. Otherwise, it'd be at 269. Turns out that... Joe Biden didn't actually need to win Pennsylvania because he was able to pull off a victory in Nebraska's 2nd Congressional District. Remember how I said that both Nebraska and Maine split their Electoral College votes by Congressional District? So in Nebraska, the statewide winner of Nebraska gets two Electoral College votes, handed to them on the plate, and then each Congressional District in Nebraska awards one Electoral College vote. Joe Biden managed to win Nebraska's second congressional district, we make that blue, that puts Joe Biden at 270. So when he won this congressional district, I knew that he was probably going to win because Arizona was looking like it was going to go his way. He'd carried Wisconsin, carried Michigan. It was a done deal. So that congressional district, one district in Nebraska, you know, when people say every vote counts, it really, really does. And now Joe Biden able to be put over the top um, because of that. So luckily for him, because he won this congressional district in Nebraska, he was able to avoid a tie-break scenario. So even if Donald Trump had won Pennsylvania and won Georgia, it would be 270 to 268, thanks to that one congressional district. Had Donald Trump carried that, 269, 269. But because Joe Biden carried it, 270 to 268. But in the end, didn't matter because Joe Biden ended up winning Pennsylvania and he's going to win Georgia, 306 to 232. If this map holds, it'll be the exact reverse of 2016. Donald Trump won 306 Electoral College votes. Joe Biden, now also on course 
to win 306 electoral college votes. And one of the lessons from this election, as Chuck Todd from NBC News put it, was that this election result proves that not only is America deeply divided politically, but that the last election result wasn't a fluke. Donald Trump didn't win the last election by chance. It was essentially a rerun of 2016, but with Gary Johnson's libertarian vote, a third party candidate, his vote in the Rust Belt region was essentially being mopped up by Joe Biden. The very few undecided voters were also breaking towards Joe Biden and the suburban revolt in Arizona and in Georgia meant that Joe Biden was able to capitalize and get just over the line, just about managed to eke out more votes than Trump in the key battleground states. But you must bear in mind that both men were able to increase the vote share across the board. Both got the highest and second highest popular vote counts ever in a presidential election. Joe Biden currently stands at 76 million votes in the presidential race. Donald Trump is at over 71 million and expect that Biden number to increase further still. Ballots are still being counted in California and in New York as well. They obviously skew heavily Democratic, but these numbers are just so remarkable for an election taking place in the middle of a global pandemic. So well done to America for turning out in your droves and making your voices heard. Finally today, a quick word on the Biden-Harris transition. There may be some friction coming from the White House by stonewalling their end of the transition process, but that's not stopping the president-elect from getting to work on his agenda. Biden has his transition website up and running. They've immediately been outlining their key priorities for the new administration, fighting COVID-19, the economic recovery, dealing with systemic racism and fighting climate change. Biden gave a speech yesterday in which he celebrated the great news about the Pfizer vaccine being 90% effective, but at the same time, he urged caution and urged all Americans to carry on wearing masks, practicing social distancing, and of course, good hand hygiene too. Before that, he also announced a team of coronavirus advisors made up of 12 public health experts, including Rick Bright. He was a whistleblower from the Trump administration and was removed earlier this year after warning about shortages in critical supplies. So Biden clearly hitting the ground running listening to experts, and most importantly, providing strong leadership. The fact of the matter is that while Donald Trump may not want to accept the results of this election, and it seems he has all but given up on governing the US through the crisis, one thing is certain. President-elect Biden is eager to take the mantle, and in just 71 days' time, he will do just that. Thank you for listening to Nonstop Politics. If you enjoyed, why not follow us on Instagram at Nonstop Politics? And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.